We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aitman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded All right, Panthers fans, welcome back to the third edition of this weekend's draft extravaganza of the Roar Podcast. John Ellis, Billy Marshall here with you right here on Blue Wire to give you some uh, recap analysis on uh, what was an interesting 11-pick draft for the Panthers. What's up, Billy? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm fantastic. I'm tired. I'm worn out. It's good. I know you feel the same. It's been an uh, active weekend for, for both of us, but especially... Scott Fitterer, Matt Rule, and uh, all the fine folks over there at the Panthers front office. Uh, what a hell of a draft, 11 picks. Uh, we've covered, of course, the first day, the second day, and uh, we're here to dive into the day three stuff. We'll touch on the undrafted uh, guys that got picked up, but I guess we'll just open up with you, Billy, your overall impressions of what we saw go down yesterday as uh, the 2021 draft has uh, finally come to an end. Yeah, it looks like it was more of the same as far as them just picking up really good athletes. Um, I mean, outside of maybe, um, you know, sixth and seventh round, which, I mean, you're just looking for value at that point. And I think they got that with Deontay Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into him in a minute. But, yeah, I mean, I thought it was more of the same. I really liked the Davion Nixon pick. He was probably my favorite pick yesterday. Um, I'm sure we'll go over the reasons 
as to why he's dropped. There seems to be some character issues there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the Chuba Hubbard selection. I'm glad Carolina did not force a running back selection on the first two days. Yeah. Uh, they understand, I hope at least, that they are coming to the understanding that you can find backup running back and even running back production on day three and undrafted free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and Hubbard's a pretty interesting uh, player. I really liked him a couple years ago in 2019. Um, now, I know he had some injury concerns as well, so we'll get into that. But um, And uh, the other guy, I uh, was watching uh, Keith Taylor. He looks uh, to be a you know, lengthy guy with uh, some decent skills as an outside cornerback potentially. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty solid day. And then I think they hit the uh, – not necessarily a jackpot, but they definitely hit, I think, the right um, undrafted free agents with uh, David Moore. And I think that's a story that you first broke. So congratulations to you for getting that scoop. <laughs> Thank you, Billy. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, we, we were fortunate to get ahead of that one. Uh, David was a name that uh, Sorsa told me about throughout the weekend that, that I, I feel they, they were maybe eyeballing the draft and it just so happened that he fell out of the mix and uh, certainly got confirmation on that and put it out there. So yeah, that's always good to get a scoop, but uh, yeah. I mean, to your point, look, it was an interesting day. I mean, look, let's start with uh, just give you an overall rundown in case you guys have forgotten uh, Chuba Hubbard at 126. He's a running back from Oklahoma state. Uh, of course they did uh, move around a little bit. Davian Nixon, at 158, defensive tackle from Iowa, probably the steal of their draft, I would think. Keith Taylor, a defensive back from Washington at 166. You go down to 193 and 204, you end up with uh, Deontay Brown and Shai Smith, respectively, guards and wide receivers from the SEC. Uh, long snapper, Thomas Fletcher, who uh, is uh, one of the better ones uh, from Alabama at 222, uh, who's gone, gone viral now because of his draft called a <laughs> Matt Rule, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, and then they wrap it up, uh, to your point, Billy, from earlier, with uh, not necessarily athleticism, but just got to get a guy in there with Phil Hoskins, defensive tackle, Kentucky, to wrap up the draft. So uh, I guess let's just start right off the bat. Uh, you mentioned uh, Chuba Hubbard, of course, getting value at running back in the fourth round is good. What have you seen from him on tape? I'm familiar with his game to a certain degree. I think he's a good screen receiver, gives them versatility. Has a little bit of that home run speed. Uh, your thoughts on the Oklahoma State back going to Carolina? So they were clearly looking to identify a Mike Davis replacement. And I think that Hubbard has some of the same attributes as uh, Davis, at least as far as that role is concerned. Because McCaffrey is your what I like to call an airback, the guy who is so versatile. Uh, he can do so much in the receiving game. He's very shifty. He can do it all. I mean, obviously McCaffrey is a complete running back, but um, you know, the element of in the past game really helps him stand out. Now, Hubbard, I don't really see him as much of a threat in the passing game like Mike Davis, but I, I think there are, uses to him in the screen uh, game. And that's, again, like Mike Davis. Mike Davis was a really good um, receiver in the screen game. Pretty much all of his targets were on those screen concepts. There was a few. He did old Texas routes here and there. But, um, you know, for me, I think that uh, Hubbard, he has really good patience and vision. Uh, I think that the ability to get skinny through the hole and find those uh, creases, point of attack, and then accelerate, that really helps him kind of 
gain momentum and create big plays that stands out to me. Uh, he has pretty good feet and he, he reads blocks really well. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a, uh, he's really solid um, overall running back. Uh, but again, last season did not treat him well at all. He battled a high ankle sprain, missed four games. Uh, he just didn't look like himself. He, he looked a little bit too lackadaisical uh, in his running style, a little bit too upright. He, he wasn't really the explosive player that we saw in 2019. And I'm sure you can hear it in that phone call he had with Matt Rule. Um, you know, obviously Matt's re- referencing the times they faced Oklahoma State when he was at Baylor in 2018, 2019, which were obviously Hubbard's um, really productive years as a running back. And last year was uh, kind of disappointing. Um, so I don't know, like, I think the value of taking him in the fourth is fine. He probably would have gone in the fifth or maybe the sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is an area that they definitely needed to replace Mike Davis. Um, so now you're just going to add to this competition uh, at the running back room to find a backup running back. Absolutely. Again, uh, the sort of the measurements on him, six foot two ten. Uh, again, Oklahoma state had a lot of good production in 2019. He was upwards of, I uh, believe 20 plus carries a game in that season. He was, he was carrying a big load. In fact, those things are 25 a game. Um, yeah. He had 328 carry. He, had, he ran for over 2000 yards in 2019. Yeah. yeah. So the production was high there. He had a lot of touches um, for my, just a little bit of, of, of tape. I've looked at again, just the broadcast stuff. He's a straight line guy. doesn't mess around. Very straight line. Uh, doesn't. Yeah. He's, he's just a, just take it and go. Um, but he can make you miss in the open field, which is nice. I saw him break a few ankles on some of the highlights that I saw. Of course, he had the the very notable falling out with Mike Gundy for a while. Pro was going to protest over the you know T-shirt that Mike wore, and that's something I'm not certain is a huge consideration that we need to talk about, but that's notable from uh, something in terms of taking a stand for what he believes in. Um, I, I found that personally refreshing, but I'm not doing a politics show here. Anyway, as a football player, I think just, again, great tempo. Um, I, I just think the screen stuff is interesting, too, because I saw a lot of screen passes from this kid over the years. And, again, he's not necessarily a threat like McCaffrey is on the angle Texas route, stuff like that, or, or split wide. But right. you can run some 21 pony stuff. You can get them both in the game together, uh, get McCaffrey out wide in the slot, and you can get some versatility there. They did that with Bonifant for a while. Um, they did it, uh, obviously, with uh, – Oh, C.J. Anderson, I believe his name. Yeah, C.J. Rodney Smith, too. Yeah, Rodney Smith. So, again, uh, getting a couple backs in the game at the same time. Never a bad thing for Joe Brady. Gives you one more uh, tool to work with. So, I think it's an interesting pick. No question. And then, of course, we move down to uh, 158. And, uh, I mean, Davian Nixon, you know, it's just <laughs> with Eurostep. <laughs> I love the clip you posted earlier with the old Eurostep. And then he talked about it after that game where he just uh, – Yeah, he talked made, about it, yeah. He did. He made a hell of a – that Penn State game, he was just an absolute destroyer. 6'3", 3'13", 35 and a half uh, – 35 and an arms. Uh, again, uh, prospect from Iowa here. And, uh, look, I, I mean, I'll just give you my first impressions from watching him. I mean, he can – he's got a good frame. For you know, he's not you know, not out of shape. He doesn't look sloppy. He looks like he's well built. Um, obviously, he's got good three technique experience. That's important. He's got speed. He t- measured very well in the speed department. Yeah, um, he's really athletic. Very athletic, and that's what we like. Obviously, that's what Carolina likes. But yeah, just some of the 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 game stuff I've watched on him on YouTube. I pulled up some clips, and it was uh, kind of a wow factor. You mentioned his name on our 
preview to, to day three. I know we had talked about some players to look out for, and you had mentioned Nixon by name as well as the defensive tackle from USC. But open it up to you, Billy, your thoughts on uh, Davian Nixon. Yeah, so he's obviously a very interesting uh, uh, player, and, and I like his game quite a bit. He's kind of your uh, prototypical three technique. He has a really explosive get-off. Um, you know, he, he has good hands. I, I think that uh, – I just think, like, he can not necessarily do it all, but he has uh, the traits to, um, you know, be an every-down defender as well. And I think that he – in the run game, he showed a lot of physicality where he was controlling and uh, getting off offensive linemen to make tackles in the backfield or uh, redirecting running backs so someone else can help clean it up. So I think he's a little underrated there, but he's your classic three technique. He's just going to um, you know, show the burst off the ball with really good quickness. And uh, he has the athleticism to win as a pass rusher. I mean, we're talking about a guy who ran a sub a four, eight, six forty at 313 pounds. Damn. I mean, he had his pretty <laughs> good a freak uh, of nature. Yeah. Pretty good agility as well. Um, yeah. You know, so for me, I think the biggest question for him is not necessarily his necessarily his play style it's are the off-field uh concerns vetted and to me he sounds I'm, I'm just like reading a lot of um you know stuff about him and watching some of his interviews it seems like he's a very bright guy but he ran into a situation um a couple years ago that was uh, pretty serious um it required an investigation and he was ultimately I, I don't believe there were any charges filed or and he was cleared of any wrongdoing um, so again, I, I think that uh, we have to be a, a little cognizant of that. Again, I hope everything is fine. I don't, you know, I'm not a, uh, a private investigator that's the scout's job. So it's our, you know, we just have to trust them that they did their uh, investigation about th- that point in the draft fifth round. It was a no brainer to take him. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer. We'll, we'll steer clear of a lot of that, but again, it's fair to bring up that, you know, whenever there's issues that have come up, you know, you want to address it. But I think from a football perspective, uh, they saw enough in him to be comfortable. I mean, some of the stuff he does in terms of shooting the gap against the run is great, Billy. I mean, I just yeah, – yeah, yeah, yeah. he, he definitely shoots it. He shoots I think Doug gap. Ferraro compared him to, uh, um, you know, the guy in Atlanta. Uh, uh, God, Grady Jarrett? Uh, Grady Jarrett, yeah. Uh, that's a great comp. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Doug did some good work this weekend with Mark Schofield. And I, I love that comp. I mean, I think, you know, at that size, again, you're, you're looking once again, you know, 6'3", 313, but plays skinny, plays athletically. Um, he's a big guy, but, man, on that, like, the, the interception we saw, that's, that's his signature play, you know, the Euro step that he talked about. Um, man, just some great athleticism, great uh, ability to just snag that football. Good ball skills. I mean, again, that, that comes in handy once in a while. You see these tip drills? Tip balls come up. You want a guy that knows how to have a nose for the football. But, again, his job is to get in there, shoot the gap, play the three, and he gives Carolina another body. We had talked about that with, with Kerr leaving. And, uh, you know, my source had talked to me, Bill, in recent days about, you know, that issue. He's, he loved Kerr. You know, one of the people that is very close to Carolina's situation was, was a little bit like, okay, this is somebody that was very good for us. But I think we now see that they were trying to – do something a little different here. And uh, obviously they are now the, by the Panthers, by the way, their social media just released officially the youngest team in football right now at 24.2 years old. So they're younger and they're faster. And yeah. uh, 
I think this is a good pickup, no doubt. So with, with that said, uh, let's get to your boy, Keith Taylor. You've been doing some analysis on him tonight, the uh, corner from Washington. What can you tell us about Keith? Only played in a few games last year because of the uh, condensed schedule in the Pac-12. Pac but uh, give me your uh, take on Mr. Taylor here. Yeah, so for me, I think this was a pretty solid pickup. I thought he showed out really well to Senior Bowl. Um, he he defends the nine rounds really well. I mean, first of all, let's just talk about his uh, physique. I mean, he's six foot two, a little thin framed. Uh, his arm length again not great, but he does have the length at least, um, you know, with his linear uh, body. So he understands how to play um, press coverage, and he does a pretty good job in man and zone. So sometimes you'll see him in press bail, um, where he starts off in press coverage and then. Uh, bails to patrol one of his sides of the um, field. Uh, I think he plays with pretty good balance and he's, you know, he showed really good feet in mirror match situations. So he, he's very patient at the line of scrimmage and kind of waits for the wide receiver to declare his intentions uh, before he kind of breaks and follows him. And I think he has pretty good uh, speed to break on those in breaking routes. So he, he's a solid uh, player. But I think um, just kind of projecting him, his first couple of years in the NFL, I expect him to probably um, kind of make his way as a special teamer uh, and then maybe provide some competition um, in the defensive backfield. But I, I'm definitely, you know, pleased that they took another chance on a corner and, um, you know, someone with his profile, I think is a, uh, is good competition. It's similar to the Troy pride pick last year where you have the length and you have the guy who has experience playing press and then, you want to bring him in for competition to see, um, you know, just add to that room and potentially, you know, get some opportunities. Yeah. And it's a bit of a paradigm shift now between maybe the cover three heavy stuff that Phil Snow was running last year, almost kind of by necessity. I don't know if that was Phil's desire because a lot of what they ran, I think at Temple Baylor would indicate that they're comfortable playing man press. They're comfortable playing some cover one. Right. Um, and I think they're, they're getting back to their roots a little bit with having some guys here with JC Horn, obviously, Here's a question I've got for you. We'll, we'll move on to the other picks here in a minute. If you had to put your best guess on it, yeah. I'm getting this question a lot. Where do you see these corners going? Because obviously you've got Boye, you've got Jackson. Now Horn obviously is an outside guy. Who's your nickel right now? Well, how do you see that? Um, and I'm asking you. Question. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm asking Billy Marshall. If you had to put I don't know. Finger on it, where, we, where, we, where do you think you would put the nickel right now? Um, maybe – I think it's just going to be a situation where you're going to be yeah, having these guys interchange yeah. as much as possible. Um, some you might see just depending on matchup situations, uh, but maybe I would go Jackson inside. Okay. Yes. I think he has the foot quickness and just the overall, um, you know, the speed, especially like if you're dealing with a shifty slot receiver who can get down field, I think uh, Jackson obviously is, um, you're the fastest guy in their secondary. So maybe you might see him inside uh, and, yeah. and leave the other guys competing for outside jobs. Well, it feels that way to me. And, you know, he's got the experience in playing slot corners. You know, it's a hard position. You've got to have IQ. You've got to have experience. I think it's hard for a rookie to come in and master that. And I get the sense that that's something I might look at just because, you know, the exterior matchups on the perimeter may not be as favorable for Jackson from a size perspective. And, you know, he can play the corner position as, as, as well as a lot of guys out there. But I think it's interesting to think about maybe moving him inside. But, yeah, they're multiple, as you know. They'll move guys around. 
and obviously with losing Cornelder, with losing uh, Rasul Douglas, it was good to replenish the corners with uh, two relatively high picks here. So I was glad to see yeah. that. And, you know, Taylor's not necessarily a high pick, but he's he's not an undrafted guy either. So it's good to get some uh, extra help there on the outside. Let's go to Deontay Brown, guard from Alabama, uh, the least athletic player they've drafted, but uh, certainly uh, an interesting prospect. Uh, I mean, the guy is uh, – I've seen the comp uh, to, to Gabe Jackson, I mean, in terms of size, frame, and style. I, I think Brugler made that point. I know that Zerline has mentioned Gabe Jackson. But, again, you know, it's a long way. And that's one thing I think you said yesterday, not necessarily about Brown, but just prospects in general, just temper your enthusiasm. But let's talk about pick 193. Deontay Brown, obviously from Alabama, 6'3". Uh, he's right now listed at 344. Of course, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and just a hell of a mauler for uh, the Carolina Panthers. What are your thoughts on this kid? Yeah, I mean, he's your typical, like, guard kind of just his entire like play style uh he's a really huge and just massive individual he's so big and yeah he he's humongous and he really like likes to bully guys especially on those poles and getting out in space a little bit but i mean the athleticism just uh, i mean it, it's just not there but i mean he does have once he gets his hands on you i think it's pretty much over for the defender um, so for him, I think the biggest thing is, and the reason I think that a lot of people were surprised he dropped is a couple of things. So he, he showed up obviously to Tuscaloosa at 375, and that's just that's, an unacceptable play. Yeah, I saw that, and I, my eyes popped open. <laughs> it's like I remember watching that. You posted a lot of clips of him one on one, and he was handling people at times. So man, he just looked, he looked a little big. Yeah, he he's uh, he's huge, and yeah. but I think he had a weight problem at Alabama. Okay. Now here's a difference between the college and the pros. Now, obviously, yes, in the pros, um, maybe you're given a lot more, um, you know, the facilities might be a little better in the pros, but this is Alabama. We're talking about, this is like the blue blood, the blue, all blue bloods. They have the best facilities, the best nutritionists, doctors, right. trainers, everything. Okay. I mean, you're seeing NFL coaches who just get fired to go there because they know like it's a good rehab spot so they can eventually get back in the NFL game. And, and I think in a situation like that, where you have a guy, um, you know, Alabama is on him 24 seven because that he's a student athlete and he's there all the time. So if, if he's, you know, still managing to have a little bit of issues with this um, while he's at Alabama, then I'm, you know, I guess I'm a little concerned about how he can manage uh, his own personal responsibility in the pros because, I mean, there's a lot more freedom as a professional than it is as a student athlete. So, you know, my hope is that, you know, he kind of takes guidance and instruction well and he really kind of keeps himself at an acceptable weight, um, you know, to get his, just to get his body ready um, to play in the NFL because, it, it's not easy to kind of stay in shape and uh, especially this time of the year, for our, oh, God, maybe yeah. the players are doing OTAs and stuff like that, but especially like after the OTAs from June all the way up until late July, yeah. you know, you know, if he was at Alabama, like they would be on him and make sure that he's in the weight room and make sure he's eating right. But in the NFL, like you're on your own. So I'm, I'm really hoping that if he wants to make an impact here, he kind of really keeps himself to a strict diet. Again, I'm not really a, person who should be uh-huh i'm not a dietitian any 
sensitive respect. I'm not in great shape either, but again, I'm not a professional athlete. That's right. <laughs> not, no, I'm, I'm tipping it a little heavy myself these days, but no, I mean, this is the name of the game, Billy. Uh, I, I think that's the, the X factor. I've talked to some people who evaluate around the league, and I, I think it's a big thing of Brown. You, you nailed it. I mean, he's got to stay in shape. He's got to keep the weight within reason. The sky is very much the limit if he can just stay disciplined and get that done. And obviously, we don't know everything. I don't know everything about his, you know, nutrition. I don't know everything about, you know, what his limits might be in terms of that. And it's a sensitive topic for a lot of people. But I'll just say this. It's the NFL, baby. And you got to stay in shape and you got to hit your number. Um, I do like he's really quick in space. He's, he's not overly athletic, but he's got good positional quickness, I think. Um, he's able to get it done in pass sets. Um, and as a run blocker, I mean, he's just got some of the most powerful stuff I've seen on tape from any prospect in this draft in the interior line. He's just a thick guy that can just maul people. So I don't know if he's a day one starter. I just think he's one yeah, I have... guy that can compete. And I think it's, I think it's pretty good value here. Yeah. I, I certainly have no qualms. With his overall skill set, I mean, again, he's your classic guard. Uh, I think there's a little bit of issues in pass protection, but as a run blocker, I mean, he's he's really fun to watch. I mean, you see the clips of him just pushing yeah. guys down and bullying them. So, I, I mean, he even said it yesterday during his presser that the reason he feels he dropped was because of the weight issues. It wasn't because of – yeah, you know, no. he got suspended, I think, for – a couple times, but that was team rules. So I don't know what he did. But Ivan, yeah, yep. yeah. So it's it's probably like that. He was, I don't know, like you know, student athlete stuff. Like he was late for classes or something weird like that. Yeah, I don't know. Should happen. Um, so I'm not going to speculate on that. But but yeah, I don't really care about that. I'm just more um, for now. I think the bigger thing is if he wants um, to really kind of solidify himself in that competition. It, it's all about keeping the weight down. No doubt. He's a big boy and uh, got an opportunity to do some damage uh, in the power game with Carolina and the power schemes they run in the run game. It'd be a good fit. Uh, let's move on to a local kid, the kid that uh, grew up about 20 minutes from where I live, Billy Shy Smith from Union, South Carolina. Uh, Gamecock product, of course, going to 204. Uh, Shy was a guy, and I'll give you credit for Nixon. Shy was one of the guys I mentioned uh, in our preview the other night, and I just felt that they would probably give, you know, give themselves a chance to snag two receivers with a different type of flavor to each in terms of what they bring. Uh, of course, he's not a very big guy. You know, you're looking at five, nine and a half, 185, but he plays with intensity. He's competitive. I, I like some of the contested catches he's made. Um, he's got some ability to fill that Curtis Samuel void in so much that he can do the screen stuff. He can do some of the jet sweep stuff. Mm. I like his versatility there. It, it's a, it's a purpose type of pick. Plus he can return kicks. Um, but I'll turn it over to you. What are some of the things that you like about Shai Smith here? And maybe what are some of the things that you might look at as a possible concern? Yeah, sure. So for me, I, I think Shai Smith is a, a pretty solid, um, slot receiver, um, he played pretty well um, in South Carolina, or at the Senior Bowl, and also obviously at South Carolina. He, he has good route quickness, and I think he shows some good separation on the top of his route, quick in and out of breaks. He, pretty good hands. Uh, I think he made some really tough contested catches. Uh, good body control as well, and I think he, you know, he has like the he plays tough for his size. I mean, like you said, he's not the biggest guy. He's only five nine, hundred eighty six pounds, but. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you know, he really shows that competitiveness by, uh, you know, going up against the best corners in the country and in, in that conference and, and really playing with a very good, um, you know, body control and just mm-hmm. competitiveness. Yeah. Um, but for, for me, I think the biggest thing where he's going to have to make his mark on, for this team is he has to show on special teams. He was a gunner and he was also a pretty good kick returner. Uh, he averaged, uh, I believe, 21.3 yards as a kick returner. And um, I, I think that's kind of like where he's going to make his mark. And again, you know, the competition, I'm sure, will be pretty intense in the wide receiver room. Um, but but I think that, you know, this type, this lane in the draft, uh, you're looking for guys who can contribute on special teams. Um, so for me, that's, I think, where I, I see a, a, a short-term um, role for him. And, you know, hey, if he gives us anything as a receiver, then – the more power to him. I'm not going to complain about that, but I think that um, day one going into training camp, he's probably going to be playing with the second and third team as on the offense. But uh, I I think he has a chance to, you know, be their day one kick returner, especially with Farrell Cooper, not resigned. Yeah. You just following up on that. You're right. Farrell Cooper is a one-year deal. He's unrestricted now. It doesn't look like he's coming back. So this does uh, fill that void. Another South Carolina product here. And uh, again, I just, I like his versatility. I think, you know, when you look at some of the things that um, that you look at that are possible negatives, again, you know, it's just, um, you're looking at injuries. He's had some injuries here. He's missed at least one game in all four seasons with a variety of injuries. That's going to happen. He's not necessarily the most polished guy, but again, production was good last year. You're talking about 57 catches, 633, uh, four touchdowns and nine starts. I had a 15.7 on some uh, return, so that's positive. So, again, you know, just, uh, again, a local kid here. They went Gamecock heavy, of course. They still have yet to draft a Clemson player. It's so funny. I was talking to some Clemson folks I work with, and uh, it's 27 drafts now, zero Clemson players drafted. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? It's just is what it is. But Shai Smith, sixth round, uh, there you go. There's our analysis on him. Thomas Fletcher, long snapper, Alabama. I'll put it in your court, Billy. What do you think about that pick? Yeah, so obviously they did re-sign Jansen to a one-year deal, but looking at the contract, looks like there's no guaranteed money. Um, I'm I'm feeling, though, that because they drafted uh, this guy, especially they used a draft pick on him, that most likely uh, Jansen's going to be on the outs. Uh, I mean, he's 35 years old. I mean, he's been pretty reliable. I have, I mean, when have we ever complained about a, a by, bad? By, by the way, he's the he's the only John Fox holdover still on the roster, um, which is remarkable. He was there in '09, but yeah, you're right. He's he's getting up there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I have no issues with taking a long snapper at this point of the draft. I was I was hoping for another position, which we'll get to in a second, and I think it brings up a larger discussion about that so-called position. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the Dolphins last year, they took Blake Ferguson, who was also a long snapper in the sixth round and he was their day one and starter and he played every single game for them. So I think you're going to see a similar situation with uh, Ferguson. I think that unfortunately I don't see Jansen lasting on the roster very long and you're definitely not going to keep two long snappers on your practice squad. Um, but this guy looked like he was in pretty high demand given he won pretty much all of the awards for long snapper. Um, so, yeah, I expect him to, again, be your day one long snapper when the season starts. We shall see. Carolina's had two of the best over the past 20 years, Jason Kyle 
and uh, the great J.J. Jansen. It's an important spot, so maybe this is the next in line for uh, that position to be filled and, and, and solidified. You're right. Uh, finally, Phil Hoskins uh, is their final pick, 6'5", 313, from Kentucky. Uh, his nickname is Big Snack, S-N-A-C-C, by the way, kids. You want to follow him? He's Big Snack on Twitter, I think. We'll have to get his official handle. But um, 30 – I got nothing on him. <laughs> you know, I don't have much on him. I didn't do much on Haskins, um, honestly. I'm just reading up on some of the NFL.com stuff from Zerline. And uh, Reuter here, I mean, they're talking about good size and length. The wingspan's almost seven feet long. Some of the weaknesses, he only pinched press 20 times at his pro day. Um, struggles with technique. But I got to look at Hoskins more to really make an analysis on that. It's just, it's a seventh round pick. He's a big guy, 6'5", 313. So we'll take a closer look, I guess, as we uh, filter through. You mentioned a position you wanted to talk about, Billy. What is that? Well, I was hoping they would take a kicker. Oh, you were? Um, okay, well, tell me about it. Well, I'm, I'm getting a little annoyed with Joey Sly the past couple of years. Last year especially, I was just getting really um, annoyed with him, and I kept it to myself because, you know, I got in a little bit too much. Uh, I, I just think the Gano Wars um, in, you know, for, for so many years were so toxic, so I just stayed out of <laughs> yeah. criticizing kickers. I just kept it to myself. Agreed. Uh, but no, I think I'm getting kind of annoyed with a lot, especially the missed extra points. It really just irks me. And I understand this guy has a strong leg, but at this point in the draft, it really wouldn't have been the worst idea in the world to provide some competition for him. And I really hope they do provide it. I know they've re-signed him, but he was a uh, exclusive rights free agent so it was only like a one or two year deal and it's right. like two or three million dollars it's nothing crazy mm-hmm. so yeah i was really hoping that they would draft the kicker from miami jose boric boregalis i believe his name is he, every time i watched miami play last year this guy was making everything i think he made like a 57 yarder mm-hmm. as if he was justin tucker and oh. unfortunately the Bucks signed him as an undrafted free agent um so that kind of really annoyed me but yeah I mean, just speaking more broadly, I really hope this goes out and looks for competition at this position. Well, that's interesting. You know, I agree. It's been a, the. I mean, it's something good. personal. I'm just. No, of course not. We're not here to personally attack people. People know that. We're here to evaluate players and give opinions. And I, I think that's a fair one. I mean, Carolina, even with, you know, Gano at times had the, the, the extra point issues as well in 18, and that was frustrating. Uh, but yeah, Sly, his. his has had his share of misses too. He's got a cannon of a leg. It's great. It's a good story. I was there the, the first day Sly arrived at Panthers camp. I was there covering the, and I, I kept an eye on him because it was sort of an afterthought, but he was drilling stuff from 55 plus at, you know, camp just casually, but you never know with a guy like that, you know, things are going to get sloppy at times. And uh, I think you're yeah, right. In my opinion, I don't know. Like I don't really have like a strong opinion on this, but would you rather have a guy who's like, automatic from 48 and under yes or would you rather have a guy like well that's what i feel like too like yes. if you have a 95 percent kicker from maybe I'll say 45 and under but if you have a guy who can kind of really stretch your distances out especially like you're at the 38 39 yard line it's third and four yeah. you don't get a first down like i would go for it obviously but you know some or maybe not third and four but let's say third and like 12 and right, right. incomplete pass, like you're bringing on the kicker in that situation. And Sly certainly has a range to do it. Um, but yeah, again, like I said, I, I just really feel like 
they haven't given him a long-term commitment. So why not just provide some competition? No question. If you look at the production for Sly, you know, again, uh, last year, let's just break it down real quick before we move on to something else. 30, overall, he's 64 of 71 from extra points. That's seven misses in his time here. That's a lot. Um, you don't even miss in seven points you're taking off the board over two years that could be critical. And then the field goal percentage overall is just a clip under 80%. He's got a couple longs of 56-55 last year. Uh, to your point, uh, overall, he's been pretty solid from 30 to 39, 20 to 29. You get in that 40 range, he's missing some. And then, you know, from downtown where it's supposed to be your money for him, I mean, he was one of six last year for <laughs> the yards. So, yeah, that's – yeah, Gets back to the thing with Bridgewater we talked about. You've got to be good what you're good at. And if you're not good what you're good at, that's a problem. And that's what he's good at, and he wasn't good there. So, Yeah, uh, I mean, it was interesting. And, and we'll transition quickly here undrafted, guys. But they did sign um, – I, I can't pronounce his last name. Oscar – Oscar Dragusevich, I believe it is. Dragusevich. Um, yeah, I don't okay. know. I saw Oscar. That's, I'm just going to go with Oscar. I'm the Washington State kid, yeah. Yeah, so they, they 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 did sign a punter and gave him you know some guaranteed money too. So, uh, and I thought Charlton was decent last season. So that was um, so they're bringing competition there. Then yeah. uh, you would hope that maybe you could bring some competition, um, you know, for kicker too. So I don't know. They, maybe they it's a long season. Kicker, yeah, they signed another kicker earlier this season. I forget his name. I go. He was a very another difficult name to pronounce. I don't. I can't remember it. But I have to go back and look and see. So they have, I, I believe they still have two kickers on the roster now and then an extra punter, which leads us to our undrafted. You mentioned Oscar, the punter from Washington State. You're also going to look at Northwestern linebacker Patty Fisher, who played on their senior bowl team, uh, UAB running back Spencer Brown. Uh, I saw some word on that come in pretty early last night. I did not break that one, but I saw it from uh, one of our sites out there that we follow. Um and then Mason Stoke, I believe, I think it's how you pronounce his name. I saw that from you first. I don't know if you broke it or not, but uh, the fullback from Wisconsin. His agent, his agent tweeted it, and I just posted it. it as soon as I saw it. Awesome. Uh, and then uh, David Moore, I got, again, from a source, um, you know, a few minutes before it broke, that Moore was in talks with Carolina, and then the, the signing happened. So that was – Good to know. And, you know, I'd heard some good things about David Moore from some personnel people around the league, including some uh, that are close to Carolina. And uh, you know, he's the second David Moore on the roster, obviously. You've got too many Moores. you got Moore. you got DJ Moore. So we've got three Moores now. But I guess we could start with uh, Mr. Moore, a Grambling State product. Uh, there, were, there were no uh, historic black college players drafted this year that was tough because their season was sort of compromised uh but but obviously they pick up one here and uh, another big guy that that can can move people you saw him at the senior bowl a little bit what were your thoughts yeah i was a pretty huge i was a pretty big fan of him at senior bowl dane burglar actually has him as a fourth round prospect um so guys that he went on draft. Well, I guess I shouldn't be surprised with some of these small school guys who opted out. Yeah. Um, again, he, he's similar in some ways to Deontay Brown, uh, as far as athleticism is concerned. He's not the most athletic guy in the world, but I think that um, they're not really, I, I think that for most positions that most, if not all positions, they do care about the athleticism, but I don't think they care about it on the, with the interior offensive alignment. I think you'll probably see that moving forward, but uh, I think, you know, as Dane 
Brugler writes that he has a pretty good, uh, um, you know, he has good length and pretty massive wingspan. He has good joint flexibility and foot quickness. And when I watched him at the senior bowl, this guy was mirroring some really good players like Boogie Basham and Marvin Wilson. Um, yeah, he was also oh, the, rep, the rep he had on Basham was impressive as shit. I mean, he was just mauling his ass. <laughs> yeah, great. Basham went second round to yeah, Ruffin. Basham's a player too. Yeah, this guy, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan, and I think that he actually has higher upside than Deontay Brown, if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, I, uh, I said, you know, you know, I were talking last night on DMs, and you mentioned I'm going to take, and we're going to share it on the pod, so there it is. That's interesting, Billy. Yeah, I mean, the thing is with, uh, with Moore, it's you know, small school guys, they don't get the recognition they should. Yeah, um, But I, I think that this guy can really, really make a difference if he's given the – um, you know, competition. And it looks like he's been training with Bruce Matthews, the uh, Hall of Fame left tackle, uh, played with the Titans and Oilers. Uh, but I think this guy has the maturity and he has the uh, technical side of his game. He moves his feet really well. And again, like Deontay Brown, he's a bully. Um, but for me, I think that he has uh, – I've seen what he's done mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl against high-level competition – um, that I think that his trans, his translation to the program um, is not going to be as pronounced as other small school guys. So I really think that he has a chance uh, to leapfrog Deontay Brown maybe when the competition really gets going. And so I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of this guy. So I'm happy they went that in that direction. No, it feels like, you know, some of that Sean Payton influence with Joe Brady is kicking in because Sean loves to run the ball. This is a good run blocker, somebody who can really maul you. Um, a good – I mean, again, he's, he's – I think the quote that I heard best was from Pat Meyer. I'm trying to find it here. He had a great quote at the senior ball, but he said, quote, he's long, he's just short. <laughs> it gets to the point – Yeah, he's only he's six foot one. He's only six one and, and like three eighths, I believe, or five eighths. But, but he has um, 34 and one eighth arms, so he has the length. 82 and five eighths wing, and that's, you know – He's got reach. I mean, that's the thing. At yeah, guard, you, you kind of want that. You want somebody. Some some coaches, I've talked to an O-line coach this weekend, who said, you know, you want that in some schemes. You want somebody who's kind of squat and has that reach and punch, and he's got that. So it's interesting to to see him fall. But, yeah, I know you were really high on Moore. I was glad I was able to break that one and, and get the word out because I know a lot of Panthers fans were screaming his name late in the draft, and it was uh, – it was a name I brought up because I knew that, you know, from, from people within that organization, you know, that this is a guy they coveted. And this just speaks to the patience once again. They were so patient. They were so on track with their process. I don't do draft grades. I don't, I don't hate those who do. I saw Jim Nagy posted something earlier, you know, kind of thumbing his nose up about draft grades. And I think that's the wrong message. I think draft grades are fine. It's entertainment purposes only. Some of these people who billion, do a lot of work. It's, I think you're, dra- you're, you're grading the process more than anything. That's how I look at yeah. it. You know, the process here w- was an A. They, they struck gold in terms of how they followed their board, picked for value, and, and went about their business, Billy. Yeah, no. And, I mean, it, we're talking about a billion-dollar business. Like, people are going to eat up draft grades whether you like it or not. Exactly. So it's, right. It's not my job to tell someone not to write about draft grades. I mean, people do it every single year. And, no. yeah, some people are going to be wrong. Like, when the 2012 Seahawks – infamously got an f like everyone like clowned on it but then they won a super bowl a couple years later like who cares like it is what it is like people are going to write about it 
And if you get ratioed and old takes exposed or whatever, that, I mean, it is what it is. But again, <laughs> and I think that some people on Twitter live like in an echo chamber, um, but this is the NFL. It's a billion dollar business. People are going to eat it up and just let people enjoy it, I guess. No if question. They do. No question. Yeah. And of course they, uh, they, they did uh, take care of some issues for the undrafted uh, free agent perspective. I, had seen, and I, I'm I'm looking here at the uh, did they did they pick up the quarterback from Northwestern or not? Is that confirmed or did they not go in that direction? I couldn't tell because that that was reported out by by Elena Getzberg, and I think Pat Fitzgerald had posted that. Yeah, uh, I mean, but, if the head coach of this college team was posting it, then I assume that's confirmed. But but I, yeah, Panthers.com Panthers.com just wrote up their list tonight, and they don't have him listed yet so it might might be that it's not official i don't know that maybe it's just i'm looking at gantz right up and i don't see it so we'll we'll follow up i mean we'll see obviously by the time you hear this pod maybe there'll be some clarity on that but that was a name that i had seen reported as uh as being signed but but anyway i mean look it was a fascinating draft um what i'm hearing buzz wise you know i i think they're very happy with some things there was a talk about Trey Smith source told me that they couldn't do that because of medicals it was not something they were going to do. A lot of teams felt that way. I know you and I like Trey a lot and he eventually got picked up. I believe who was it that got Trey Smith? Kansas city. Kansas city picked him up. And uh, yeah, I mean, the medicals are always weird. I mean, it's just a lot of teams have different views and it's his, his is kind of serious. It's scared a lot of teams. And I think you could, I could safely tell you that Carolina was a team that wasn't going to touch that just from a medical perspective, they, they weren't going in that direction. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know. I mean, blood clots are a pretty serious issue, but yeah. Again, I'm not going to kill them for a sixth round pick that everyone else was also like avoiding. Yeah. Obviously the guy's falling for a reason and that's kind of it. Um, I heard a good, a comp, interesting comp on our, our guy Trimble from a scout in the league said it's a more athletic Richie Brockle. I don't know if that's an indication of how they'll utilize him or how they view him. But, um, I, again, looking back, let's just, let's just kind of finish up here with those first couple of days in the draft, first couple of rounds. Obviously, J.C. Horn, um, just a, a fascinating prospect on the exterior of the defense there on the perimeter. And then you've got, uh, obviously, some, some guys there with, with Terrence Marshall. You've got uh, Brady Christensen, a, a tackle that, Carolina was at their pro day, Billy, and uh, you know I'm told that they, they were as high on Christensen as, as anybody out there. And um, one individual in particular I talked to was very thrilled they picked him up where they did because a lot of the evaluations uh, were, were very strong on Christensen. And then Tremble, I know you like him a lot, getting back to the point about being a more athletic Richie Brockle. Um, well, how do you think this draft looks in totality? I mean, what – what was your favorite pick and, and how do you see these guys as a whole moving forward? So let's go back to like January when we first started our, our off season preview. And I kind of laid out why I felt this team was so talent bereft. And so they just had to address a lot of areas of concern. And that's why I said from day one that accumulating picks and really attacking certain areas is going to be the best way uh, this team can manage their issues on the roster. So obviously, number one, free agency, they plug a lot of holes and brought in some competition with Redick, Arnold, 
Morgan Fox and mm-hmm. Oye and a few other guys, obviously, that I can't think of off the top of my head, all the two yeah. offensive linemen. Um, yeah. So, but, but still, like, even then, there were still, like, obvious areas of concern. And number one being secondary and number two being left tackle. Um, so you get the blue chip player that you've been, you've been looking for um, for a while, JC Horn, you add to the wide receiver room because you have to have an, I think having three uh, solid to good wide receivers is necessary in this NFL. Uh, we can only just look at what the chiefs have done in the past few years and what the bucks did. I mean, the bucks are like three or four deep at a receiver. It's crazy. Uh, crazy. Uh, so I think having th- going three deep at a receiver is necessary and they got Marshall, which I was really pleased about, um, you know, and then they were able to get Christensen again, might be a little older, but adding more competition for that left tackle spot between him, Scott little um, maybe Cam Irving is also competing at left tackle. Yeah. And then tight end, maybe you give your guys an upside play. I think it, they've helped, they protected themselves by t- signing Dan Arnold. Um, and they still have Ian Thomas yep. on the roster as well. Uh, but you're getting a guy that is a pretty solid blocker in Trumbull, who has the upside to potentially be a passing game threat as well. Uh, you can't go wrong there. And then, you know, day three is all about depth and competition. They d- addressed it with a running back cornerback um, defensive tackle continue to add on the defensive front and offensive line in undrafted free agency and you know late in the draft so for me I think um, this roster is in much better shape than what it was in January and again we're, we're still not done there's still so much more um, of the offseason to go with the waiver wire and yep. potentially trades here and there and guys getting cut after june 1st i mean we saw a couple years ago um mccoy mccoy got cut like in may and we picked him up in early june so i don't expect a player of that magnitude to become available and sign here but it's it's still like the roster evaluation process is consistently ongoing and so i expect them to continue churning um the bottom of the roster and and you know i think we really um, this franchise in particular, they benefit from preseason this year. Um, oh, you're no seeing the question. bottom of the roster of guys play out. And uh, yeah. I think, like I said, I, I'm much more pleased with where this roster stands now than where it did uh, in January. Do you agree? No, no doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. I think your great, your greatest point you made of all was the preseason and getting that back and uh, having an opportunity to have a more, presumably if COVID continues to trend where it is now, and the vaccinations are, are, are doing a hell of a job with that. You're going to get a situation where you can have a more competitive camp. Uh, it's going to be less hands-off, more hands-on, which is what they need. Again, I talked to Nick Carboni about this, who was at camp, uh, along with some others, and I, I can't tell you enough how, how different it felt um, from what they told me. It was just not a very competitive – and it, they did a hell of a job where they could. Every team was in a bind there. But having those games is invaluable. And I think to your point, you know, they, they have more competition now on the interior part of both lines. That was a huge thing we had talked about. You've got to get deeper at defensive tackle. You've got to get deeper at guard. And you got to add a tackle somewhere. They accomplished it. I'm very happy with their draft. Um, and I know a lot of fans out there are happy. And, and this has been a hell of a draft season, Billy. I enjoyed it, man. 
Yeah, it's, it's certainly just to watch them, their process and their ability to really understand the value of quality or quantity over quality. Right. It's refreshing. Again, the draft is such an inexact science, no matter how, like, it doesn't matter who you are. Okay. Like yeah. these guys could call themselves like, you know, the best of the best. They can say I have the best eyes. I can scout with the best of them. But at the end of the day, there's so much that goes in to scouting. It's not just about what you and I watch on film. There's yeah. the intelligence factors. There's, you know, the medicals. It's everything. And so when you give yourselves more opportunities to draft, it just gives you a, a higher f- floor to consistently find young talent. And the, this team's biggest issue over the years is because guys like Gettleman and Herney, they just were too overconfident in their abilities. You saw it when Herney traded up for Greg Little. He was like, we have a first-round grade on him. He was really good and all this stuff. And he just sold everyone that his ability to scout this guy I get the was sense, the I get the sense that traded up. I get the sense. You're exactly right on that. I get the sense that the the people on the ground had more ability to play with freedom in their job, so to speak, and they had more of a hand in the process. That's just the feel I get from those I talked to around that situation, that it was more comprehensive. It was more collaborative. They use that word a lot, but I think it really held true that Federer, a former he's an area scout, that's how he started, man. And I think Anderson Gettleman was the same way. Marty did some of that too. But, you know, I think Fitter was a just a real true – nerd at this and he learned from two of the best and Dave McLuhan as well three of the best in Seattle he worked under Holmgren he had a great pedigree there and and, and was highly recommended by so many people we know and I just think from folks I've heard that that are close to that and and a couple who actually are in the middle of it that they were just able to really work together on this better than in past drafts so I think you hit it on the head there it's it's a great draft um, in terms of how they did the process and we'll see how the players shape out uh billy i know you and i are gonna be doing some pods here soon this week maybe next week and uh we've we've got some guests lined up and and we're excited about it man yeah it's gonna be um yeah this is sort of the dead period now uh i'm sure we'll get some content from the team on minicamp and otas but you know for the rest of the nfl this is pretty quiet time but i'm sure you and i will try to bring out as many podcasts as we can to keep people entertained. Keep churning them out, man. We're, we're happy. We're rising up the charts and we love seeing it because uh, fans, fans, I think like the content and we love doing it. So once again, folks, thanks. It's night three of our little draft extravaganza. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the roar right here on blue wire for Billy Marshall, John Ellis. We'll see you next time.